Welcome to High Haven, a show about everything Jewish in our community. I'm Brian Slattery, sitting in for Paul Bass. Recently, I went to Long Wharf Theater to visit actor George Goodell, who is appearing in Long Wharf's upcoming production of The Chosen, which runs November 22nd to December 17th. We sat down in one of the theater's dressing rooms to talk about the questions the play raises about the tensions within Jewish culture and who gets to define it, Goodell's own experience of Judaism, and what the play may ultimately have to say about Judaism today. Um, George Waddell is a, is a performing in the upcoming production of Long Wars The Chosen, um, which, is a, uh, which is a story about two boys who are growing up um, in, in Brooklyn, and one of them belongs to a, uh, I, I guess, I guess he's, he's Hasidic, not, not mm-hmm. just Orthodox, right? Yes. And then one of them, uh, my impression was that he was possibly Reform? Or, or no, he's not Reform. They're both Orthodox. They're both Orthodox. Yes, but one go. is modern Orthodox, exactly. so to speak. There we and go. the other is, is Middle Ages Orthodox, is right. Hasid, the tradition, a long tradition that's been, um, been alive for a long time. Yeah. And this, this play, which is based on the novel by Chaim Potok, mm-hmm. is, um, follows the two boys as they grow up into men. And... And, and in the process, really gets at some very like gnarly questions about Jewish culture and what it is and who gets to define it and uh, you know how how you argue about it. And for me, as a um, for me as a as a non-Jew who is who is raising a Jewish son and is married to a to and is in a Jewish marriage, um, to for me it was a fascinating glimpse into a sort of like inside baseball <laughs> aspect sure. of Judaism. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you yourself are Jewish. Yes, I am. So what, what was your sort of initial reaction to the play? To the play? Yes. I mean, when I first read it? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, of course I was familiar with the book. I read that a long time ago yeah. and just loved it because it, it speaks of my background. It speaks of anyone who has any kind of Jewish education mm. realizes they grow up with that kind of tension between Orthodox Jewry uh, reform Jewry, conservative Jewry, mm-hmm. um, Reformation, um, Reconstruction—the yeah. the, uh, the whole idea of a Jewish culture is incredibly complex. And yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking about it now in this play. And I'm uh, as I asked you just before, what is Jewish culture? What is that? Right. Is there a Catholic culture? Is there a Protestant culture? <laughs> Does somebody say, "Gee, yes. I, I long for that Protestant food"? That's right. <laughs> I've never heard well, that. <laughs> well, I mean, as I mean, there is there is that thing floating around of you can be culturally Jewish. That's right. And That's as it. a as a thoroughly lapsed Catholic, I occasionally mm-hmm. wish that there was such a category as culturally Catholic. It's <laughs> an interesting idea. I've yeah. never I never yeah. thought of that that way. But the culture involves everything that means Jewish to the person. Practicing it does not mm-hmm. necessarily mean total religious quality. It means history, ancestry, where you come from, where your parents come from, where your grandparents come from, mm-hmm. um, where you used to live, mm. uh, and how you were trained in any kind of Jewish education. Mm. Uh, and that's a, a um, very wide field. Yeah. Some people are educated in what they call Hebrew schools. They go to two or three days of, of uh, Hebrew education right. in addition to their public schools. I was very lucky as a, as a young boy. I come from Plainfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And my mother, who was uh, first generation, she was from Europe. She was from Poland. She didn't care for the Hebrew school kind of thing. She liked a uh, tradition of learning 
called you go to a malamed. A malamed is someone who one-on-one teaches a young boy. Oh, wow. I started with him when I was six, and I studied with him three days a week after school until I was about 12 and a half. And oh, it wow. was an incredible education because yeah. he was very learned, very, very ethical. In fact, he used to have um, a sheet on its walls where he would check off the synagogue that he attended each Saturday because if he attended a synagogue more than once, they would claim him as their member. Mm. And that would attract a lot of people because he was so <laughs> well respected. So he right. made sure that no one could claim him. But that was, that was one side of an education. The other side right. are, are uh, young men who are trained to be bar mitzvah just as a rite that happens, mm. and it's over, and there's nothing else that happens. And it depends mm-hmm. on the kind of um, the depth to which parents subject their kids <laughs> to learning what a Jew is. You learn right. ancestry, you learn history, you learn music, yeah. you learn uh, prayers, of course. That's an important part. Right. Um, I, it's, I, I liked your use of the verb subject. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about that? About being subjected to yes. it? Yeah. yeah. There, well, there are the old tradition, mm-hmm. um, which m- perhaps in early Hasidism, um, the teacher used to walk around with a ruler and hit you on the hand if you'd had a wrong, right. a wrong answer. But that kind of disappeared in, in this country. Kids went to Hebrew school because their parents made them go. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it um, intruded on basketball, soccer, basketball, those sports seem in the last, oh, I'd say 10, 20 years to take precedence. And I've seen in conservative synagogues, which mm. is a cross between Orthodox and Reformed, it's a kind of a not-so-happy middle ground, <laughs> In right. conservative uh, temples with their Hebrew schools, their schools shrunk uh, from four days a week. They mm. went to three days a week um, because soccer and basketball right. uh, became prominent. Saturdays are the days when parents can take their kids to games so they don't go to temple. Right. So it's a question of what the parents want to do to instill some kind of Jewish consciousness yeah. uh, in them. And if the parents don't believe, the parents don't have a, a foundation in it, Chances are the kids are not going to have it, but they may want it later when they're young right. adults to know who am I and where do I come from. Right. Now, how did how did you so how did you find yourself relating to the issues in the play? I mean, I I'll take a little detour, which is that one of one of the interesting things about um, you know me being involved with Judaism just as a, in a familial and social way is that mm-hmm. I'm also a musician and I started playing klezmer. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I loved the music. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there was there was no you know there was no particular like cultural or political agenda attached to that beyond just that I loved the sound of it. Um, but uh, I I realized that by 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 playing the music, I was I was joining the debate in a really interesting place. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. That that you know part of uh, part of my education in the music is an education in the culture. And that's, an education that, in the politics of the culture. That's fantastic, because Jewish yeah. music, Yiddish music, has the breadth of ancestry in it. Absolutely. From the street musicians to songs which are so heartrending and and, uh, and uh, full of pathos and, and need for God and where have you been and mm-hmm. why am I, why is this happening to me, to uh, happy, happy kind of klezmer music, which is right. marvelous. So if one were to take the... the um, path from the beginning of Yiddish music 
Hmm. Starts liturgical, etc. And then when Yiddish music became Yiddish music, there were Yiddish musicals and the Yiddish theater were fantastic. They were right. incredible productions. In fact, those were the first theater productions I'd seen. Hmm. I'd seen because my parents went to the Yiddish theater all the time, not to the American oh, wow. theater. Right. Wow. The first play I think I saw was when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, and as a matter of fact, I saw... Now, where, where, was the, where was the theater that you went? The theater, it, what, the Yiddish theater was, yeah. in, was in Manhattan at the mm-hmm. time. There was one play, I remember this... Uh, I always Do you remember, remember the name this. of the theater? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, was, I just figured you know, It was one in Brooklyn one, and many on 2nd Avenue in Manhattan. Right. Um, when I was about nine, ten years old, I saw a wonderful play in Yiddish uh, where the, the audience were just crying and weeping and didn't know what to do. It was so upsetting to them about this salesman who had two sons, and he was losing his job, and it was called The Death of a Salesman. And this was in Yiddish. And oh, wow. the play itself was lends itself so much to a Yiddish milieu, to a Jewish family in, yeah. in New York, that later, in when I was a senior in high school, they gave that play as an assignment. I said, wait a minute, this isn't an American play. This is a Yiddish play. <laughs> You're surprised right. to discover. <laughs> was, it was amazing. So, right. so that kind of, uh, that's what happened to a lot of Yiddish writers uh, in, mm-hmm. on theater, especially. They graduated to Broadway, ultimately. But that's, the, the, we're talking about Yiddish culture. My God, it's about writing. The, the Yiddish uh, literary history is unbelievable. Mm. Um, I do a, a program of Shalom Aleichem once, once a year in Manhattan, which just celebrates his death. He had, Shalom Aleichem was a, um, um, just for the audience, was yeah. a, probably the most popular Yiddish writer for the immigrant population and for those in Europe. But mm-hmm. um, was the largest funeral in New York City that wow. ever had when he died. And that, the, the train, and you go from Shalom Aleichem to Isaac Singer, to um, uh, Bernard Malamud, to Philip Roth, yeah. the the they they uh, evolved into an American Jewish uh, genre, which is a fascinating thing to read because that is also Yiddish culture, right? Uh, so it, it never really stops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the things about the the, the play that I particularly um, appreciated was you know one of the things that I've I've, I've begun begun to understand as a as a Klezmer musician is the extent to which the revival, you know, the Klezmer revival in the mm-hmm. in the sixties was a kind of reaction to the reaction to sure. the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's this the sense of, you know, that Klezmer really took uh you know, for for a while it, it, it was put away because it was considered, you know, it, it uh, this is such a difficult thing to summarize <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> But just the, the you know the Holocaust was the you know it was looked I, down. I on. appreciate yeah. more and more how much the Holocaust was this moment of cultural reckoning. Sure. For yeah. for Judaism, in a sense of you know what what good was all of this if it just mm-hmm. if it just led to this mass slaughter, and you know that that was a part of the argument that I didn't appreciate until I started playing the music. That's more. a part of part of that is included in this play. Yeah, the play. And I liked seeing that yeah. moment. In the, the play in ostensibly the play is about two fathers and two sons. Yeah, and. In stripping it of all the uh, encumbrances of Jewishness and religion, it's about independence and when sons grow up and right. and go their own way. Um, not hard, not easy for parents to let go of their children. 
yeah. and let them do what they want to do. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, <laughs> right. I come from a family of three doctors, and uh, when I said I want to be an actor, boy, that was that was incredible. That was not <laughs> welcomed, not open-armed welcomes. Uh, so it it's hard, but people will look on this as a, look on the play as a story of a very very religious background versus a not so religious background. But mm. the play is really for me a metaphor of a universal experience. The universal experience yeah, is, uh, is letting go of offspring mm -hmm. and finding independence, listening to your soul, listening to yourself in terms of what you want to do, what you need to do. Mm. So it, it goes, um, a, a thread that runs through the play is, uh, can two things that are differently placed in thinking exist at the same time? Do they oppose each other? Can they? Can two people who believe different things be friends? Mm. Can they, now it goes Democrats, Republicans, Arabs, Palestinians, Arabs, Jews, and all over. So there's a universal appeal to the core of this play, which is, um, the Hebrew word is elu elu. Uh, these in one hand and these in another hand. Mm. And can they both exist at the same time? That's an, an endless question for debate. Yeah, especially now in this country, can two opposing forces be opposing forces and still come together for yeah. a unified cause? That seems difficult, and this I, is really what the play talks about. Yeah, I actually it, uh, that was that was one of the things I wanted to get at. I mean, at one point I was I was uh, helping edit a book about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict mm -hmm. and came across. Uh, a, a quote by a, a rabbi in in Israel who had said what I thought was a very profound statement that that you know in the that God was actually in the in the in the tension between the two points mm -hmm. that like oh. God is in the dissonance God is in the God is the dissonance God my, is the, my God right. is better than yours yes my God is the real God your God is not the real God right and that there's something divine about the fact that we can't understand it <laughs> like that's in some ways what makes it or divine, we don't understand right? it yes and and yeah. as a matter of fact that's what happens in this play uh, happens in the 40s and 50s um, when Israel becomes a state mm. the character I play Reb Saunders is a Hasidic rabbi. And he looks down on it. He says, who's going to build Israel? Jewish Goyim. Who's yeah. going to build Israel? People who don't believe in God. People, they're not going to bring Torah to the land. And he wants the Messiah. The Messiah will come there. If, mm. if it's not the Messiah, Israel is illegitimate. And to this day, there's that tension between the ultra-Hasidic and the, the government of Israel because mm -hmm. they didn't want to fight. They didn't want to be a part of that. And little by little, they're learning that they have to. But that's the kind of dissonance that you speak of that somehow has to be part of a unity where you will believe what you believe, I believe what I believe. As long as you don't kill each other, <laughs> right. we both can exist. We can be right. friends. So, And it's not easy to be friends knowing that the other person believes something that you don't believe in. Mm -hmm. And that's what problem I'm having with the part that I'm playing, because I'm <laughs> not a Hasidic person. You've and anticipated I don't believe my in that. question. Right, and, yeah. and so I'm, I'm finding his passion the, the love that he has for the master of the universe, mm. the love that he has for his son, mm. the love that he has for his people because he's a Rebbe and has a, a large following, that's something I can attach to. Mm -hmm. But the, the fanaticism of the Messiah, um, I appreciate his love for it and his need for it. Mm. But I, as a person, 
I'm trying to hide that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a struggle yeah. because part of me says, well, how can you say those words? But um, yes, the, the whole idea of acting is pretending, they say. Right. And so I'm pretending I'm a Hasidic rabbi, <laughs> hiding behind a beard. Yes. Has, it, has it been, has it been, uh, have, you, have you sort of, has it been a bit of an education just walking in his shoes? For a bit, or, or do you no, just I'm find familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. that. I have very religious parts of my family mm. um, are very orthodox, and that doesn't bother me. And in, in yeah. fact, um, it's attractive because it, it's a. I tell you a story. I was in a production of the Dibbuk many, many years ago. The Dibbuk is a classic uh, Yiddish play about um, exorcism of a spirit. The spirit mm. was not happy. Uh, a bride and groom. Or they were supposed to get married, and the spirit of the groom somehow was not rested, and he inhabited the the body of his bride. Mm. So um, it's a it's a marvelous experience. But to learn about that, um, the cast went to uh, Schneerson, who was the rebbe in in uh, Brooklyn. He mm. was the big big time rabbi, and from that cast, three or four women decided to go back to that community and stay there. Oh, wow. Because it was very attractive to them. The mm -hmm. boundaries are strict. Um, there's tight community. There's a very tight family life. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other things, but that somehow appealed to them. They they went there, and they're still there. One changed their mind and came back. Yeah. But um, that's how attractive it is. I, I, I had a, a sort of similar reaction where I, I am not someone who is going to, who is going to join a Hasidic community. You didn't look like that to me. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I, do, I do understand the appeal of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, there is something. Sure. There's there a great beauty to it. I went yeah. to a, a yeah. huge wedding, a Hasidic wedding. Mm. And my God, the dancing was incredible. Yeah. Men on one side of the hall, women on the other side, separated by a, a, by a big phony wall of twigs and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the music and the, the, the joy of the dancing, the men dancing all around in circles and the women dancing, mm -hmm. it was incredible. And they were thrilled. Huge orchestra playing. Yeah. And it was, it was fantastic. The food was okay, but, <laughs> <laughs> was, but I stood there and watched because I'd never seen that before. Yeah, and uh, and there it was, and it's it's still alive. Yeah, and you think without that, where would Reformed Jews and conservative Jews and even mildly Orthodox Jews, where would they where would they be? Because right. that's the source from which all the other Jews for come sure, from. For sure, for sure, and that I mean that's the part, and that's the part that I can. Uh, that's the part that comes out when I when mm -hmm. I have. When I have any any sort of contact with the Hasidic yeah. community, is the is the sense of I I admire and envy to some extent their their sense of rootedness in history. Sure, that that's you know? part of the beauty of this play is yeah. that the the Rebbe that I play has one marvelous line where he says a, a tzaddik, which is a, a righteous religious man, mm. a tzaddik must carry the pain of his people, mm -hmm. and that kind of cohesion and sense of responsibility spreads out through the community. And it's they're they're very tightly knit, and they genuinely believe in what they do. And and there's part of me that says, well, do they really, do they really <laughs> believe that, or are they? Yeah. I mean, many have left the fold, right? But many leave every fold, so it you can't say, huh, look, the it's not the real one. If it gives people peace of mind, and mm -hmm. if it builds solid family life, and if they spend their lives studying and learning. That's okay, but when they do things that are illegal, 
or when they do things that are right. humanly uh, are full of human error, then they're they're just like you and me. So that's what happens. <laughs> yes. uh, these two boys right. who meet uh, from both different ends of the culture hmm. find that there's a commonality between two human beings aside from what they believe in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying hard not to give away the entire plot of the play <laughs> you know, you as, to, as we talk about it, but um, I mean, so I guess one way to get at the question would be: Did you did you do you, do you have children of your own? Yes, I have two daughters. Now, did you find the same sort of issues at play when you were raising your daughters? Well, as I grew up with my children, mm-hmm. as uh, my children grew up, as I grew up with them, um, it meant something to me when when they would date a person who was not Jewish. Mm. And I had to deal with that, and it's it's a real thing. I'm not that fantastically religious. I'm very spiritual. Mm. I go to temple on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and we reform temple. But I I came to believe that if this is who they loved, mm. if they love each other, and if that's what it is, uh, who am I to say that's not for you? Mm. Not, I don't have those kind of rules. Um, so it's it's what they choose to do. Yeah. Well, it's not easy, especially with daughters. Uh, sure. They're my daughters, so don't mess around with my daughters. <laughs> but uh, right. if they both had Jewish educations. Hmm. They went to day school, so they'd had more than this, the normal Hebrew school. Mm-hmm. So I just left it to that. And I think most of the work parents do stops at around seven years old anyway. Everything you do, <laughs> everything you do is right. up, up those first six, seven, eight years yes. and then forget it. And the rest is its own momentum. My my son is 11, and I so far I agree with you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's that realization of, oh, he, he's going to do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Now, is he getting a Jewish education? Uh, yes. How are you doing that? Um, well, we reformed. We, we were in a reform mm-hmm. synagogue, mm-hmm. Um, and he's been going to Hebrew school uh, since he could. <laughs> How many days a week is that? And uh, now it's two. Two days, yeah. right. Now he's, now he's uh, Sunday and uh, Tuesday evenings after mm-hmm. school. Right. And uh, it's been, um, it's actually been, for me, a, a really... A wonderful thing. I'm I'm learning about Judaism along You're, with you. You learn about it, right? Yes. Right, I mean, that's exactly. you know, I, I feel like in some ways I'm going to school with him because when he comes home, I I I, I try not to be too overt about it, but I'm constantly sure. asking him about what he's learning, mostly because I want to learn. Even when my you know. kids went to a day school, Solomon Schechter Day School, hmm. uh, one came home one day and said, "Mom, Daddy, why don't you light candles on Friday night?" Mm-hmm. And we started lighting candles on Friday right. night. And it it right. does it adds something to the family. We sit around oh, the absolutely. table and, and absolutely do that. So it, it's a, it should leak from her, from your son for sure to you. Yes, I, I'd I'd say it has. I mean, there are two things that that you know when you describe the the leakage. Part of <laughs> part of what's neat about it is that I'm learning when when these questions come up. I learn about how my wife, whose name is Steph, mm-hmm. um, I. I learn more about how she thinks of her own practice of Judaism, right? You know, which is which is really cool. You know, is it they, Reformed Judaism? Uh, she grew up in a conservative mm-hmm. uh, uh, temple, but she, you know, she is a she is a intelligent and strong willed person <laughs> with her <laughs> so with cool. her own opinions about about you know what these things mean to her, mm-hmm. and she's really big on. Uh, you know, she doesn't want to do something that isn't sort of meaningful to her. Sure, yeah. You know, and that's what's what's been really neat is figuring out sort of what things have turned out to be meaningful for her and why, mm-hmm. you know, and and what things aren't. And um, do you go with her to temple? I do. That's wonderful. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then um anytime you disagree with what you hear in the temple in terms of sermons or anything like uh, that? N- no. I in part because I I I really do feel like I'm mostly there to learn. It's it's not something right. I you know mm-hmm. it's it's not something I feel like I need to this is going to sound weird, but it's not something I feel like I need to have an opinion about. Of course. You know, yeah. it's certainly not at this stage. You know, I'm mostly just sort of like grateful for the for the glimpse into another thing. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. that I'm that there's so much to learn, and it feels <laughs> it's constant learning. Yes. it's constant learning. Yes. If somebody would hear that a, yes. a person goes to Hebrew school twice a week. They'd say, "My God, what can you learn in two days a week? Yeah, can't learn anything." Yeah, you know? so it it uh, it's a, a real question because as society continues along its course now. Mm. Um, the the rift between conservative and on one side they have reform and the other side they have orthodox. Mm. Conservative is losing its its place of prominence. It used to be the happy ground between very orthodox mm. and not very religious. Mm. So you met in the middle. But now a lot of people are gravitating towards either the the more religious or the reform. The reform now is a large large. Yeah. Uh, Congregation of Jewish people. So, no. Why? Why would you say that is like what from 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 where you're standing? Well, conservative. For my opinion, mm. conservative Jewry was came about because of enough. A lot of people did not like the ultra orthodox mm. and didn't care for the Reformed Temple because mm-hmm. it was the Reformed Temple because it was too devoid of what they were familiar with. Yeah. So they met a middle ground of conservatives. So men sat with women instead of being separated. Mm. Uh, there was more English than mostly Hebrew. Yeah. So it became that happy middle ground. But now Reformed temple, Reformed temples, as far as I know, have a lot of Hebrew in their in their uh, services, mm-hmm. plus a lot of English. Women sit together. That satisfies two major things, and they're more attuned to societal. Issues, yeah, than singular, isolating Jewish issues. Still on a Jewish bent, but it's a, yes. it's a more it's a more modern type of uh, of spirituality. And so you're describing the temple that I belong to. Yeah, very well, that, that's reformatory, and yeah. and so that some people who didn't think it was enough gravitate to more orthodox temples. Mm. I come from White Plains, New York, which has. One, two, three, four, four basic synagogues. There's a mm. Reconstructionist, there's two Orthodox, and there's one Reformed. Reform, and uh, the difference are there are two different beliefs, and yet they all get together for certain holidays and yeah. festivals and and study sessions, mm-hmm. and that's an example of you know commonality when you're basically believing they don't believe in different gods. They believe in different ways to different ways to believe in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that's uh, part of what this play is about. The the play always comes back to um, his last line in the play. I shouldn't say my last line because that gives the whole play away. But it's it's the the, the, <laughs> the rift trying to avoid. Also. It's the rift <laughs> that happens when a parent realizes that that child is not going to be what you planned for him. Mm. It can't happen, and uh, that's that's a big one, especially yeah. if he's trained to take over for me for the Rebbe. Right. He's supposed to take over my dynasty, and once he says no, I can't do that. That's a that's a big rip, right. it's a tear, and for 
for the, and the challenge to Reb Saunders, to the character I play, is to accept that under God and see yeah. what that is. So um, it's a step forward for him. He comes uh, through a long journey in this play. Yeah, as they all do. They all come to it. Yes, journey. I was going to say it came across as a challenge for the son as well, sure. who is taking that responsibility Absolutely. very seriously. Absolutely, right, yes. right. And then it, it's it's a long road to discovering that yeah. I I take it seriously. Maybe because he takes it seriously is the reason he feels like sure. he's not sure he can do Chaim it. Chaim Potok you know? was an incredible writer. Yeah, his book, The Chosen, My Name Is Asher Lev, hmm. The Promise. There's all kinds of it. Much of it harkened back to his life. Mm. and his family, but he, he writes, if anything, with extreme personal honesty. Mm. He's not a, a flamboyant writer. He's not a, a writer who who is in any way sensationalizes anything. Mm. He writes from his heart, and, and that's what pulls me toward him. Yeah. Um, getting, getting back to the, the second thing that I see um, in, in, raising, in raising my son Jewish mm-hmm. is that I also see him, and this is a good way to talk about what seems to be one of the central things in the play, is that I also see him in some ways defining Judaism for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, a really sort of uh, small example, but it's it's typical, is that you know when he was choosing uh, the the name he wants for mm-hmm. his um, mm-hmm. bar mitzvah, he's named himself after my grandmother, who is ah, an Irish Catholic, that's or was I should say, she died a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. But she lived to be 103, mm. so that was long enough that they managed to have a connection. What is and, his name? Uh, Malachi Ari. And her name was? Uh, Angeline. So oh we went from, yeah, so insane. we go to Angel, so we get to right, right. Malachi. Malachi, yeah. right. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's how we got there. And Ari, his name is Leo. Right, uh, right. So he's, he's attached that's his own thing. name. Right. But, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, on one hand, he's following this this you know, he, he's being very traditional, right? He's naming himself after a deceased mm-hmm, relative. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he's naming himself after an Irish Catholic deceased That's relative. Right. That's marvelous. What, <laughs> yeah. a, what a nice coming together. Right? That's yeah, lovely. there was a part of me that thought like, wow, you're, you're doing a great job. of. When did he make that decision? Um, last year. Uh, and it was really his at decision. At the age of? Uh, 10. At the age of 10, yeah. he chose that name. Yeah. That's fantastic. Right? He's got a soul, that boy. Yes. There was something very That's rich about that that yep. made me think, like, you were doing a very good job of incorporating your, what could be a sort of fractious that's and right. complicated thing into a greater whole. That's that, a very nice, that's an amazing story. That's yeah. Very, very and nice. all we have to do is stand back and let now, him Did he it, not have a know? Hebrew name up to that point? Right. Yeah. Ah, boy. Yeah. He finally had a Hebrew name. He's finally <laughs> there. He's a real person now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, my exactly. name is contrived. Mm. My name, George Gordell. i share it with you. One of my f- my f- very first job was a European tour mm. with, uh, with uh, a lot of people, Helen Hayes and Life Erickson, a lot of people. It was my first job, and my real name is Shapiro. And, wow. And uh, I, we were going to Europe, and the producer were telling me, listen, one of the countries we're going to is Egypt. Did you ever, this was 1960, 61. Oh, wow. So did you ever think of changing your name? Well, mm. as a young actor, I was thinking then of changing my name. I had tried three, four different names. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working with a Catholic actor at that point in a play, president of the Catholic Actors Guild. And he said, don't you Jewish people have Hebrew names? And I said, yeah, my Hebrew name for George is Gedalia. 
Oh, he said, wow. what about George Gedalia? So I said, no, but you're close. So we really <laughs> contrived it, made it really affectation, and made a real affectation of it, and it just became George Gedalia, and, and it stuck. Don't tell anybody. This is a secret between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That is actually my, my wife's family. Their last name is Silton, and it's the same idea. It, mm-hmm. was, a, it was one sure. of those. They're, they're almost not entirely sure where it started at this point. No, the name? Was, yeah, it was a few generations ago. Stilton. A Stilton. Stilton? Yeah. Which oh. was a, yeah. It, Is I, it Irish? As I recall, it's this like, it's, it's, they did the same thing off of Silverstein, which oh. was the name, you know, right. that, uh, that I, 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 it would be three generations ago. My God. But then they think, they're pretty sure that Silverstein was itself another sort of transformation from a name that was even more. Now, you know. this you're talking about your wife's family. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Jewish people didn't have last names. Mm. They were given last names. I think it was the around the 17th. I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me. But mm. what happened was that people who had a lot of money became Gold, Goldberg, yeah. Goldstein, right. all things like that. And Silverstein meant you somewhere connected with jewelry, with silver, or some, right. somewhere, or you were you were named after cities where you're from. Now right. Shapiro comes from the German city Speyer hmm. and anybody that was there was instead of George son of William hmm. became George Speyer so it, the Shapiro came from that so uh, many of the Jewish names are totally derived from occupations yeah. the amount of money you had right. and things like that yeah yeah. The, 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 the story goes that the transformation from Silverstein to Silton was basically about yeah, I, I think that they didn't want to sound too Jewish yeah, especially because I think they ended up in New Hampshire for some reason. And they thought yes. like, forget this. Yeah, we got. That's <laughs> you know, we got, we we have to we yeah. we have to meet people halfway or something. Mm. You know, and, and they 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 had ambitions to. What's in a name? Yes, a name by any other name. Yes, yes. of course. And you know, we did did okay by it. So yep. So the, the name the name stuck around. We actually had we had we had a brief idea when we were going to get married that we would change our names back to Silverstein, mm-hmm. <laughs> but eventually it was decided that maybe that was a little that was a little going a little too far somehow, you know. But it's amazing names mean so very little. Yes. At the end, you know, it's who who are you? Who you are, not what you are. Yes, well, absolutely. It's true. Well, the play you know rests on that foundation of freedom of uh, two things at the same time that can coexist, Mm. uh, which is very important, and the fact that um, there is a commonality in human beings that we don't often focus on, Mm. and uh, we just focus on the differences, and that's what's happening in this country. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of saying, what what can we do together? And um, the rest is history. I wanted to ask you one more question. Sure. that has to do with, uh, you know, going going back to the, you know, the idea of you know, God is the disagreement or God is the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I've that I think that I think that people even even non Jews kind of know this about Judaism, but I appreciate it more and more as I learn more about it. Is the extent to which that kind of argument is a practice of the faith. That it's what do you mean by that? You know, having an argument about oh, yeah. a religious idea oh, sure. is itself a practice. Two Jews, which, four opinions. Yes, yeah. which which you know, to to me, uh, you know, as a as a Catholic, this is the sort of thing that I you know I I um 
I think, well, this is right. so refreshing. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, the whole tradition you know. of Talmud and what they study in the right. play of discussing and arguing and back and forth and rabbis disagreeing with each other, hmm. um, it has to be because that's, yes. that's a major part of our tradition right. is to question and ask questions. Yeah. Do you, do you think that the, 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 the play itself is a sort of expression of practicing faith? Of course it is. Yeah, hmm. But depends on what you have faith in. I think uh, Patak ultimately had faith in humanity, faith in people of being can become human despite their differences. They can mm. face each other and and coexist at the same time, which is so important for us. Uh, the as I said before, the play's metaphorical value is almost as important, or perhaps even more important than its literal value in terms of Jewish mm. uh, families fighting with each other and Jewish beliefs. But it, it's what does it mean for the rest of us to to live with someone who doesn't agree with us? Mm-hmm. How's your wife? Does she agree with everything you say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we would have gotten married if we agreed okay. completely. It's it's what keeps it interesting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's been a real pleasure to talk. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. I've had a Thank lot you. of fun. It was fun. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And you've been listening to High Haven on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Thanks for listening. The Chosen runs at Long Wharf Theatre from November 22nd to December 17th. You can get your tickets through Long Wharf's website at www.longwharf.org.